2: and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail.
0: Hey
2: everybody, welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. Benny, do you see what I'm doing? I I just like... Oh, my goodness, I just put something on here. And I'm trying to straighten it out. Because guess what, we're in the world of video now. Yep. And I'm just like, okay, didn't look in the mirror today. Um, And that's okay. Uh, It doesn't matter what you see in the in the in the mirror. But here's the deal. Um, Whatever it is you see, it's enough. It's actually more than enough. Uh, and you know, today we're going to be talking, we have a really super guest joining us here today. Uh, Rabbi Wayne Dossick is joining us here today, author of, uh, Living Judaism. And today we're going to be talking about one God, one world, one people, radical loving. We're going to be talking about that in a minute. Um, it's interesting, uh, to me and I want to just chat about this for a minute. Um, I'm just really excited about seeing the looks on people's faces, Benny. Um, Olivia.
0: Any particular? Yeah.
2: I'm. Kind of, it's like, I know that the pandemic is, quote, not over.
0: Ah, that's what you mean. Okay. Yeah. Those faces.
2: But (laughs) I think people are seeing the light. The light at the end of the tunnel. And if you would have... Kind of said to me a couple of months ago, um, did I think that I would have people come on air and uh, on the TV and say, hey, if you're kind of out in public and you've been vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask, right? I'm just thinking about how quickly we went from thinking about all the ways to protect ourselves to this new fresh moment of hope is what I call it. Mm -hmm. And I do call it a moment of hope because, you know, hope has no political party. Hope has no religious attachment. Hope has no ego attachment. Hope is one of these things that many people call a spiritual B12 shot. And I think it is one of the most interesting feelings that you know that you can have i know that when many things have failed in my life at different points in time um i think for me hope is that thing that just kept the little engine going the little engine that could what's that what is that train what is that the The engine yeah the little the little engine that could engine that could great great story Little engine that could. Great story. And I think we have millions of little engines that could right now. Now, having said that, I will say this. We have lived in an extraordinary time. And I thought if I went back to my youth and I thought about my life, I would have been saying, oh, we're living in an extraordinary time. And what I realize is every day of our lives is an extraordinary time. You know, every moment of our lives is an extraordinary day, an extraordinary moment. What's the difference between experiencing extraordinary and not? And, you know, key to me and mysterious about experiencing extraordinary is what am I carrying in my heart and what am I carrying in my mind? And more importantly, what am I carrying in my spirit? See, I hope... That my idea about hope is that it is the spirit that calls it forward. And that's the thing I focus on. That's the thing I'm really struck by. Um, Is it possible to still have strong feelings about justice? Is it possible to still have strong feelings about what you believe in? Is it possible to have strong feelings about what you believe about politics or worldview? Is it is it possible to have strong feelings? The latest this morning, whether or not you th- think the monarch, the queen should stay or go. That was like on that the thing today. Does the queen stay or does the queen go? That's what we're talking about again. And like what on the day of Diana, Does, do we stay? Does the queen go? Does the queen stay? You know, it's taxpayer. Da- doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Can you have opinions about things that are important to you? So, can you have an opinion about an injustice that's happened to you personally and still radically love? The answer is yes. I know it. How do I know it? I have had moments of it. I, I I wish I could tell everybody out there, Dr. Pat gets up every day and she just looks at the injustice in the world and she's like, hey, I love you, everybody. No, that's not me. But I have moments of it and I do come around. I do come around. I do come around. I want to talk about something uh, before we go to break and then when we go to come back from break, I want to bring on Rabbi Wayne Dosick. I want to talk about something really important, and um, I've had a have Benny Olivia, I've had a couple of conversations with people that are close to me in the past. Let me just say the past two weeks, maybe the past month, and a lot of that conversation had to do with whether or not people believe that what they're seeing in the headlines, that uh, happen things that happen to people of color, whether it be black or brown, and now my Asian friends. I don't even want to, I'm going to have to do a whole show on what's going on with that. But I've listened to people and and it's really interesting because even though people know me, they just don't know my family background. They don't know that I come from a multiracial family. They don't know that. Um, And I just listen. And every once in a while, somebody will look at me and say, what do you think? And they don't do it as much anymore, but they'll ask me, what do you think about this? And I used to be really careful, Benny, about what I said, right? I used to be like, well, you know, if you're over here and you look at it from this perspective and you're over here and you look at it from this, but no, there is no time to say dancing around what you see with your eye. There's just no time. And The other day, I found myself thinking about the latest shooting that's in the headlines. And I was talking to a friend of mine about it. And I am still shocked. I got to get Dr. Uh, Kathy O'Bear on here again. But I am really shocked that even after people see things, you can't believe it. You can't believe that people of color whether it's black or brown, it doesn't matter. People, Let me just say people of color. It's hard for a majority of folks to believe that you could be driving down the street and be pulled over and unequal events of being pulled over and then you're dead. It really is. it's hard. And I thought about this. And I thought about, is there any way I can be of service to this conversation? And I was talking to my friend about it. And I said, you know, do you have any friends of color? Do you have any family members of color? Have you ever been in a car with maybe a friend or a family member? And you're driving down the street, and you're part of an incident? Have you had that happen? And what I realized is, We need to all raise up our level of consciousness and awareness about injustices across the board. Now, I'm not saying that's the only injustice, because I could do an entire five hours on injustice in the trans LGBTQ community. I could talk to you about how every day people are being beat, being shot, being killed, how it never makes the headline. I could talk to you about that. Uh, And I could also talk to you about, wow, if you're part of the the LGBTQ community and you are a person of color, oopsie. We could talk about that. But here's what I've discovered about radical loving. If we could simply open our hearts for a little bit, what would it be like to stand in someone else's shoes? I'm really struck by this today because of the conversation I'm getting ready to have with Rabbi Wayne But more importantly, I remember an experiment way back. Oh, geez, how many years ago was this? When I was in Fairleigh Dickinson, trying to get an undergraduate degree, which I really didn't want to work hard to get. And I was in a sociology class. And I had this professor, and back in the day, Benny, Olivia, you could do, back in the day, you could kind of do like little social experiments Right, you didn't have to be like, "Oh, we're experimenting on the students. That's not good." So we did little experiments, and I remember one experiment that was done in the class, and it's it's also a, a classic uh, experiment. And you walk in a classroom, and the class is seated, and the teacher's purse or pocketbook or whatever backpack, right? Let me get current. Backpack is on the desk. So this was an experiment, and. All of a sudden some random person comes in and they did this in two parts. One was a man. One was a white man. The other one was a man of color. Came in, first the guy comes in, grabs the purse. What, like he's stealing the purse. Like actually like running in, grabbing the purse and runs out. Mm, yeah. Does anybody in the classroom move? does any in the classroom say anything? Does anybody say, stop that guy? The next is person of color comes in, nonchalantly, really slow, comes in, grabbing the purse. Does anybody say anything? Then the same experiment with women, same idea. And what's interesting about experiments like this is we get to see at times our true nature. And so what happens with the classrooms When the white people come in and take the purse, nothing happens. One or two people chit-chat about it. What happens when people of color come in? And so I'm really struck by this today because I think I answered my own question, and this is what I want to put out to the world. Can you be fired up about an injustice and still love? The answer is yes, but how? How can we do that? Um, I worked with women that have been battered. I've worked with women that have been abused. I've worked with women that have been raped. I've worked with women that have had everything in their lives taken from them. And I think one of the hardest and most heartbreaking things I've ever done is watch the difference between a woman of color that has been raped and a woman not of color that has been raped in the treatment. And, and I realized today as my friends were asking me over and over and over again what I thought, I had this moment where I thought to myself, am I going to play it safe with my friends or am I going to say to them the following? Until you have been in a situation like that and gotten to see how it plays out for you in a car with a person of color that has been pulled over for some random reason and have looked down the barrel of a gun it's very, very difficult to have a judgment and opinion. And what I find interesting is sometimes I see myself living in this interesting compartmentalized, almost like people that look at us in Washington State and Seattle, they're like, you people are on another planet. You have your own culture. Yeah, you're over there. But today what I'm really struck by is if I share part of my truth If I talk about having nieces and nephews that are people of color, having my sister, having grown up in that neighborhood, uh, having worked with a table tennis coach that I can't tell you the amount of times we have been stopped and pulled over because Sam was black. I can't even begin to tell you, but I think my forgetter may have happened somewhere along the way. And today, here's what I'm reminded of. I can still love everybody around me. I can still radically love, but we are, one, we are one world. We really are one people. And I'm really struck by the fact that we are, have an enormous opportunity. We have an enormous opportunity to look at each other, to see each other, to really see each other, and to stop for a moment and have compassion. I've lost too many people to random shootings, to random knifings. Um, I've lost too many people, you know, on incidences in life growing up in the neighborhood I grew up with that I sometimes forget about. I forget about them. But I have equal amount of experience to share about love, to share about my sister's journey, living in the projects of projects in yonkers new york the neighborhood was so bad that when i came they had a cone in the parking spot and i was to park there and my car was marked not to touch it and i go up to my sister's apartment her door was never locked and i walk into a room of diversity that i can't explain and i saw my white sister in the middle of that, people coming in and out, loved by people in the community, loved by gangsters and pastors alike. And I asked myself the question, what can I do to be more like her? You see, because if she were here today, she would be the pinnacle of radical loving. She would be the pinnacle of how to bring people together in the worst horrific project conditions you've ever seen. Her door open, food always cooked. And seriously speaking, to be escorted escorted up to her room in an elevator after parking my car and watching a couple of guys put a couple of stickers on it to say, you do not touch this sports car. And, and by the way, this is me driving a sports car into it, right? And growing up in an elevator with a couple of guys, both carrying guns, taking me to my sister's apartment, door wide open, food, you could smell the food, pizza everywhere, people walking in and out every day. How did she do that? How? So here's what I want to say before we go to break. My sister was unique in so many ways, but she lived her life through love. And boy, I got to tell you, she was not given love by my dad or my family, but it didn't matter. She stepped forward and that's who she became. That's what she taught her children. That's what she, love, love doesn't have a color. It doesn't have a religion. Love doesn't have that. It just doesn't have it. So as I think about this today, I'm also realizing that You can still be angry for injustices. You can get yourself on a mule, and you could be that man that drives through the temples on a mule, knocking over tables, and still be called the master of love. When we come back, Rabbi Wayne Dossett is going to talk about radical loving. Radical loving. And as I do this today, the memory of my sister, boy, I hope that I have the guts to stand up and step up in a world of radical hate and demonstrate that there's another way to be. She did it. No PhD, she did it. And we need it. Let's take a short break.
0: Hi everyone. I'm the host of Nothing But Now, Mindful Living with Dr. Mary Angela McGuire on Transformation Talk Radio. I share ideas, insights, and tools you can use to release yourself from fearful and negative thinking and live from a place of clarity and confidence. Please join me in each show where we challenge ourselves to change together please go to my website, mcguirelifecoach.com. That's mcguirelifecoach.com. See
3: you next time. Hi, I'm Trish Laub from A Cup of Comfort, where we talk about care hero topics that nobody wants to talk about. Here's your care hero tip of the day. During all care hero journeys, the need to keep track of a lot of information arises, some of it critical. Possibly the greatest challenge care heroes face is the gathering and organizing of information Just as every trade has a power tool, whether an electric drill or a laptop, my family's care hero power tool was the three ring binder. We generated a mini library of labeled three ring binders, one for each category of information, complemented with additional spiral notebooks used to detail medical appointments and episodes. This unfussy and convenient system of binders helped my family stay organized and able to deliver the dignified care and end of life my parents desired. Tune into my show to learn more. See you on the second and fourth Tuesday of the month at 12 Pacific here on Transformation Talk Radio. Feel free to reach out to me at info at The
4: truth is funny. Shift Happens with Colette Marie Stephan is excited to welcome Karen Benton as a monthly guest host. Tune in on the third Wednesday of each month at 8 a.m. Pacific time to regain confidence and trust in your capacity to create change in your life, your health your family and your well-being karen benton is a mother nurse practitioner certified body talk practitioner franklin method instructor and owner of limitless living llc for more information about karen visit karenbenton.com
0: the vibration of change that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease from stagnation to forward movement from old ways of being to new ways of becoming if you're like i am it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. Um, The reason I was talking about love before and was struck by my sister um, and what she taught me. And which I'm still learning, I'm a work in progress, was because, you know, uh, Dr. Rabbi Wayne Dossick joining me here today. The book that one of the books he has written, but this one is Radical Loving One God, One World, One People. And, you know, when I'm reading the book and I'm, I'm really struck by um, my sister as I go through the book and I'm having moments and flashbacks of her. And, and in recently being asked, questions by friends and family, you know, that, is that really happening? You know, are people of color really be treating like this? And, you know, you get a moment in time where you have to speak up and say, yeah, how do you know, Pat? Well, I've been there. You know, I come from a family, uh, a multiracial family. I know what it's like to be in a car. I know what it's like to be pulled over. I know what it's like to be pulled out of the car. I know that. And so how can you experience life and still love that was my sister it didn't matter cut off from the family really looked at as a pariah all of the above and was one of the most loved and revered and loved back and revered people person that's why today's conversation with rabbi wayne is so important um welcome to the show uh, rabbi wayne it's great to have you here today
1: thank you it's wonderful to be here nice to see you again
2: um there's so many places I want to go to talk with you about, but I want to start out with what I said. I think we have a lot of misconceptions about loving and more about radically loving. Um, I think that when we see people that are, let's just call it, emotional, that are fired up about something. Uh, I watched this a special documentary on Greta Thunberg the other day. You know, we look at somebody like that and we say hating Greta because she's fired up and passionate about the climate, you know, threats to her family, to her, to kill her. And the confusion I think we're having about loving is that if you're loving, you're unemotional. You don't really have things that you're going to speak out about. I want to hear from your perspective about the many faces of radical loving.
1: The many faces of radical loving, all are in one face, and that is the face of God. Yeah. (laughs) So it's very simple. We are all human beings created in the image of God. And God is the one God, the parent of us all. And God doesn't play favorites. God loves each and every one of us equally. Regardless of how we think that we're God's favorites, God loves all of us equally. And so part of our task is to see the face of God, not only in the face of God, but in the face of every other human being who is a child of God just as we are. And to reflect our godness to that other person and to reflect and to to bathe in the, in the reflection of other people's godness in, that we see. And when you see the face of God, when you see the face of God in God and in another human being, there's only one response possible, and that response is love. Because God is love, we are love, and our response has to be love, regardless of who that person is.
2: You know, I want to comment on the way you wrote this book if I could. I was so thrilled when I started to read it and open it up. Because you're not just giving us information. What you're what my my experience of reading your book and I really got stuck on a couple of a couple of places in the book, not stuck in a bad way, but really stuck <laughs> attracted, right? You know, not like, oh, I don't get that, <laughs> right? That didn't happen. Thank but it you. was like okay, I got I to memorize this. Can I just tell you what I'm referring to? Sure, please. I got to I got to one of the pages, and there are many, but I got to this page and I said, I've got to memorize this. This has got to be my morning prayer. You know, yes, I got the prayer of St. Francis, yeah, but th- this one here, this one, and it's on page 59, and you say love. It says, love is complete, unequivocal, non-judgmental, unconditional, unrestricted, unrestrained. Our love given freely and fully. Delights the heart, awakens the spirit, and transforms the soul. And then you almost, my words, you give us a series of mantra. And we could take one or we could take them all. But I looked at this and I said, you know, I need to be doing this every day. So here we go. And I'm not going to read them all, but I want to talk with you. Love transcends all limitations of time and place. And I want to start with that before I keep going. Love transcends all limitations of time and place. That's what I saw in my sister. It didn't matter. She lived in the worst neighborhood, pretty much, I think, on the planet. Door never locked, always open, food, people from every race, every religion. You know, when the Muslim friend came in, we made sure that the prayer mat went down and he prayed. If she could do it. So can you talk? Love transcends all limitations of time and place.
1: Not only time and place on this earth, but time and place in eternity, because each human soul is an eternal soul. And sometimes we are here uh, in body on earth. And sometimes we are on the other side with God and our eternal soul, uh, our eternal soul is filled with love and our job, our task as human beings is to manifest that love and to and to give it, to receive it and to give it, and so it's I. I I'm so sorry about the loss of your sister. Yeah, um, but it sounds as if she's a was an incredible human being who lived love, and when you live love, you attract the kind of people whom you describe coming to her open door. What a what a wonderful uh, metaphor. And and a, a truthful statement that becomes a metaphor as well, an open door to human beings, to love.
2: Yeah. I am so struck by what you've been able, what you've been able to put in this book. And what I mean by that, and for those of you just tuning in, uh, for sure, uh, Rabbi Dosik joining me here today, Radical Loving, One God, One World, One People. And, you know, this is one of these books, you open it up and you think you're going to get something, and you get something so much more than what you thought you were going to get. And what I was struck by is this is a message. I'm going to call your book a message, if you don't mind. This is a message or a series of messages that has to be by my side every day. I have to be reminded. I want to talk to you about what I call the human forgetter, the forgetter that we are beings of love. Because what I read about here is I read about every page is a reminder of how infinite capacity to love. What have you seen in people? How do we bring that forward?
1: You know I, I believe it was the Jesuit priest de Jardin. oh yeah, who, right yeah it's, it's become it's become so cliche now that it's printed <laughs> on napkins and, uh, and the buttons that people wear around. but it's absolutely true that we are we are not um, human beings having a spiritual experience we are spiritual beings having a human mm-hmm. experience yep and so part of what has happened to us is we have lost consciousness. Consciousness and awareness that God is everywhere and that every moment is a holy moment and every moment is a loving moment. And when we get caught up in anger and distrust and fear, then what happens is we demonize the other. And we've heard about that Quite a bit in the last four or five years in this country. Yeah. yeah. And when that happens, we give license to people to manifest hate instead of love. So hopefully, the tone is changing, not only with my book, but with politics and with others who are becoming more and more spiritually aware to know that everything that we have tried up until now has failed. Yeah, because our cemeteries are full of young men and women who went to war for a country, countries throughout the history of the world that were going to war for a bit more power and a bit more greed and to extend a little boundary and to put a little more in the treasury. That's not how we're to live.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: We're to live as if the the, the love infuses everything that we do, everything that we are, everything that we can be. And so that's the message, thank you for the word, the message of this book, to be in radical love all the time, and to make the world uh, on its journey back to Eden once again.
2: And, you know, look, what you're talking about and what the book talks about is I'm going to kind of flip it for a minute if I could. And I would like to talk to you about it. Uh, you know, I, I really hated to admit to myself after being on the planet this many years and seeing things that I protested about. I mean, to this day, I still don't understand the Vietnam War. I never did when I was growing up. Really just, I mean, people don't even when I you say Vietnam War, they're like, what was that war? When was that? Did that, was that like a real war? I mean, honestly, you know, it's almost as if it dropped off the face of history because we've replaced it with uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, right? But I grew up in that era, and I grew up trying to, as many people, get answers. Why are we there? What are we doing? And watch my friends every day die, not have an understanding of it. And one of the things that I realized is, that painful experience raised a new level of awareness, which then raised a new level of consciousness. And what I'm watching now in the headlines with people of color, I believe it's doing the same thing. I just don't think you can watch a video for nine minutes. I don't care what race you are. What, I don't think you can watch a nine-minute video and not feel something. But yet there are people that don't. And I want to ask you this are we to always to continue to learn and rise up based on the visible injustices that we see? I'm looking for an easier way, but I got to tell you, I'm having a hard time finding it. Right by way.
1: Yes, and yes, and you're absolutely right. i I also am a child of the Vietnam era. I was, uh, uh, I didn't serve, but I was inducted in the army as a, uh, a reserve military chaplain mm-hmm. uh, uh, while I was in rabbinical school while I was in seminary. And, um, and I was in the midst of the civil rights movement as well. Yep. I grew up on the old South side of Chicago <laughs> and my daddy had grocery stores in black neighborhoods purposefully for 30 and, and more years. We had the same black employees and the same black customers for decades and I worked in those stores and I spent a great deal of time on anti-war and pro-civil rights, picket lines and, and, and work, but look at how far, I mean, it's still incredibly painful, but look at how far we really have come yeah. in these 50 years since you and I were kids, Yeah. Oh. since you and I were, were young adults. Oh, so, so, I mean, you remember 1987 was the harmonic convergence i write about this in radical loving yeah and we held hands and we sang songs and everybody thought we were absolutely crazy (laughs) and in the years following that the soviet union fell the satellite countries fell black and white started riding the bus together in uh, johannesburg um the, uh, the Jews and Arabs uh, sat down at uh, peace tables in uh, in Israel and uh, Protestant ca- and Catholics laid down their arms in Northern Ireland. Now, did singing a few songs and holding hands make a difference? Well, some would say no. And I would say yes. Yeah. Because if you send out a vibration of love, that vibration of love circles the universe and comes back to us. Yeah. You know, it, it, the, the, we read in the Bible that the seraphim, the, the archangels, archangels stand at the uh, heavenly throne and shout out, "Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh, holy, holy, holy." Which in Latin, the Latin Mass is "Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus." Right. And and, and by by uh, singing the that song, it sends the love vibration to Earth, God's love vibration to Earth. And in turn, we send our love vibration back to the heavens, and it circles the earth, it circles the earth. So everything we do, the lessons are incredibly hard and incredibly painful, but each one is a step, a step, a step toward moving from this, if you will, 3D world to the 5D world of Eden on earth once again. Uh, I know I I repeat that a number of times in the book, but that's the goal. The goal is that the separation, the disconnection that happened with what's called the fall out out of Eden can be healed and can be fixed and can be balanced once again. And there are many, many ways to do that, which we talk about in the book as well, and that's the pathway that we have to be on, because the world has become such a tiny little village, because of technology, that either we learn to live together, or God forbid we will perish together.
2: And, you know, you're right, you say it in the book, I want to take a short break, because when we come back, I want to really talk about, there are many things to talk about, but I want to talk about two that's related to what you just said. Uh, Do not fear. And spiritual intent. Do not fear and spiritual intent. Strange bedfellows, you might be thinking as you're listening to this, do not fear spiritual intent. But what happens when you put these two peas in the same pod? What happens when there's an ignition between these two? And there are so many more in the book. Uh, and, and, you know, like I said before, there's not a page in this book that you go to where you cannot. Read out loud and feel the change. Feel the shift. Get a message. It is about, as Rabbi Wayne says, the power of all. We're gonna take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back.
4: Creating and living the Octurne way soul designed for self-enlightenment and self-healing. Tune in to Transformation Talk Radio, the second and the fourth Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with me, Viviane Chauvet. As we transcend the third dimensional plane of reality, we move into higher realms of existence. Let us reclaim our sovereignty as divine essence of light and unite our voices to successfully manifest ascension on earth for information on our services copper art store and to connect with me visit infinitehealingfromthestars.com that is infinitehealingfromthestars.com tune in to transformation talk radio with me Vivian chauvet
0: did you know that when we talk about the earth's Ecosystems, the most important ecosystem has been left out. You, we created the ecosystem approach to recapture human potential.
4: Find us at theecosystemapproach.org.
0: Join us every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific time and 4 p.m. Eastern time for the Ecosystem Approach Show with Jason and Patricia on TransformationTalkRadio.com.
4: Are you ready to shift your current beliefs about death? From debilitating pain and loss? Follow Angie Corbett Kuyper as she shares that through choice, present moment awareness, and keeping an open mind. Anything is possible, even in death. Tune in to Beyond Proof Radio with Angie, redefining death and loss every first Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more, visit BeyondProof.com.
0: You know, marriage is not always easy but skills that improve communication go a long way. Tune in to the Relationship Rehab Show, Recovering Happiness in Your Love with Nancy Landrum and Dr. Pat each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Nancy is an author and teacher empowering couples to create and sustain loving marriages. Learn to listen, speak, and handle conflict with respect so your love can flourish. To learn more about Nancy and her work, visit NancyLandrum.com.
4: Learn how to lead
1: a happier life on Miles to Go with Brittany Miles. How to lose to gain it all. Join Brittany every second and fourth Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Listen as coach
4: and healer Brittany Miles share stories that teach you about surrender. For more information about Brittany, Miles to go Coaching.com.
2: Hey, everyone, welcome back. If you just joined in, I'm here with Rabbi Dosik. First of all, how do people find out about you and how do they get a copy of your book? Let's just chat about that for a second.
1: Well, actually, the publication date of the book is not till May 21st. Right. So uh, I don't know if this is a live show. Yes, it is. We have about a month to go. Um, But it is up on Amazon and bookstore and barnesandnoble.com, all the the online booksellers. And you can go and pre-order it, uh, and it will be delivered on publication day. We'll also, the website is is under construction, as they say in the biz, um, and it, it will be radicallovingbook.com, mm-hmm. and there you'll be able to find out more about the book. And we are also uh, creating right now a musical accompaniment that used to be called CDs. Uh, there will be hard copy <laughs> CDs available, but there will be downloads um, on Spotify and on iTunes and on the web on the website radicallovingbook.com where you'll be able to listen to three or four of the chants as we used to say on the old south side of Chicago free for nothing um and then uh, you can purchase the download or purchase even a hard copy CD because we have beautiful beautiful chants that go along with this book because chanting opens our souls and opens the channel um so yeah, the book will be available on uh, on May twenty first, but pre-orders at this very moment. After we uh, finish Dr. Pat's show, then you can go to go to Amazon or bookstore or Barnes and Noble and pre-order right now.
2: And I would, and that's really what I suggest people to do because I happen to have an advanced copy and that's why I'm able to share what I'm sharing. I'm going to change up a little bit what I wanted to talk about because I know we've got a few minutes left. There are two things that as I finished reading the book, you, you know, the first time around, I just, I had a moment. And I, I have to ask you about this because it's worth talking about in the world we live in today. And that's awesome holiness. I really want to start by having a conversation about awesome holiness and i, I just love saying it it's, i just and and then when i use the acronym awesome holiness was ah a h and so i had this moment with this as i started to think about this and then read about it and i thought i gotta ask him about this because if we are not there now how can we get there in day-to-day practices?
1: Well, first of all, you'll be, re- you'll be able to remember this very, very well, because I made up a song about it. <laughs> okay. So that song is going to be on the Chance CD. It goes, holy, holy, awesome holiness, holy, holy, awesome holiness, holy, holy, awesome holiness, holy, holy, awesome holiness. So you'll remember that because it's a great, great song.
2: I love that.
1: Thank you. Awesome holiness means to be constantly aware of the presence, the here the immediacy of the divine, of God in our lives, in every thought and word and deed. You know, I ask, I ask a people, what if, look, I, I just want to say this name, Darnella Frazier. Darnella Frazier was the little girl 17 years old, who had the presence of mind and the courage to stand there with her iPhone taking the the uh, nine-and-a-half-minute video of the murder in Minneapolis. That's Without right. that, it would have been one of those other cases, another one of those cases where the perpetrator got off. She had that that... So I always ask people, what if your every word and deed of today were recorded on a constantly running video uh, camera. And your word and deed of today were going to be on the 6 o'clock news. And you had to call your parents or your children or your grandchildren and say, watch me on the news tonight. Would you be proud and happy, or would you be embarrassed and ashamed? Yeah, it's a, the, the old great old story about the cafeteria line where there's a plate of steaming, wonderfully smelling chocolate chip cookies. And uh, the sign says, take a chocolate chip cookie. And people started taking two and three. So they put up a sign that said, please take only one. God's watching. And then you go around the cafeteria line. There's this big bowl of shiny apples. And it says, take as many apples as you want. God's watching the chocolate chip cookies. So it's the the ness the presence of God in every word and every thought and every deed. And it is meeting the needs of the community to make the life of another as precious to you as your own. That's hard, but it's love your neighbor as yourself because your neighbor is just like you, except your neighbor is very different as well. Uh, I always ask people, you know, if my neighbor is feeling terrible and I want to make let's say him or her feel better uh, I could get tickets for the baseball game because that would make me feel better. But maybe he would rather go to the ballet or or to the theater. Right. So you love your neighbor, but you love your, your neighbor the way your neighbor needs to be loved. And so that's what awesome holiness is. It's namaste. The God in me, the divine in me sees the divine in you. And I hope that the divine in me is seen by you.
2: You know, I think you're touching on a number of different things. and I want to go back to something I mentioned before the break, spiritual intent and fear and, and love. Some people watch the news right now. Some people, not saying our listeners, they watch the news and they see people of color outraged. And they form an opinion. And they have judgments and then then we have stories that we're going to make up about it because it's not possible for that to happen to a human being. It's not in their minds. It's not possible. Even with a nine minute video, it's not possible. Even with 20 second footage, the latest headlines, it's not possible. And I think if we could try to put ourselves, in another person's shoes. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's me putting my myself in another person of color shoes or them in mine. If we could come to the table and do that in a way that allows us to rise up against injustice. Before you came on, I talked about the atrocities right now that were going on in the LGBTQ and trans community. I talked about the fact that I live in the Pacific Northwest and my Asian table tennis friends can't walk down the streets because they're afraid of getting mugged or shot. And I, I, I am an optimist and some people call me Pollyanna because I still have an idea that if we all came together and held hands and maybe cooked food for each other, maybe we would have a level of understanding. What will it take for us to start the radical loving movement?
1: Well, sometimes it's very simple. One of the things I teach in this book is to say, F-A-N-A-M-I, find a need and meet it. Which means that, you know, God forbid there's a tragedy. This happens all the time. Somebody dies and you want to comfort the, the mourner. So you say to the mourner, anything you need, just call me. Call me anything. I'll do anything for you, anything you want. I remember back in 1996, our house burned down in in Southern California wildfire. We lost our home and everything, everything in it. And one of the kindest, sweetest, gentlest, and wealthiest man I knew came to me and said, Rabbi, whatever is mine is yours. Ask me for anything. What was I going to do? Say hello? Buy me me dinner? Buy me a suit? Build me a house? What was I going to say? So I wound up saying nothing, right? Yeah. But find a need and meet it. If there's a if going to be a funeral, uh, people are coming in from out of town. Say to the mourner, "What time is your brother-in-law coming in the airport? I'll go pick him up." Right. Do you need Do you need your dry cleaning picked up at the at the uh, dry cleaner so that you have a shirt to wear to the service? Here, I'll take the kids for the night and uh, give them pizza and and in an, a simple little thing, find a need and meet it. Uh, I remember once. We used to, when my kids were little, we used to buy an extra item of non-perishable food every uh, every grocery trip to to uh, give to the hungry and the the needing in our community. And one day, I took a box of Cheerios off the shelf and I said to my son, "How about this for our food gift uh, this week?" And he grabbed the. He's no more than five years old. <laughs> he grabbed the cereal, put it back on the shelf, reached up on his tippy toes, and took a different box. And I said. And what's the difference? Cereal, cereal. He said, No, 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 Dad. Kids like sugar frosted flakes better than Cheerios. And there are hungry kids out there too who want sugar frosted flakes.
2: Yeah, boy. It's, and that, that is the kid truth.
1: Taught me not to see a category, not the needy or the poor or the hungry, but the face, the face of another human being mm. who likes sugar frosted flakes better than Cheerios. So mm. it can be very, very simple. Very simple. My friend Father O'Leary, with whom I used to teach at the University of San Diego, (laughs) here's here's a rabbi on a faculty of a Catholic university. I used to get beaten up in my neighborhood by the kids who thought that I personally had killed their Lord. And he never met a Jew until he was 21 years old. And one kid came up to us on campus one day and said, you know, the two of you are a living sermon. I never knew a Jew until I came here uh, and I had prejudice against Jews. But if the two of you can be friends, maybe I should meet some Jews and become friends. Step by step, we don't have to change the entire world. We have to change the world of our tiny little world each and every day. Mm
2: -hmm. Thank you so much for today i hope you will come back when this book pops right out there but it is available for people now uh please once more if you would let folks know how they can get a copy and pre-order and then i'd love to know what your personal message is uh rabbi dosik
1: radical loving one god one world one people published by Monkfish publishing a great great spiritual house located in uh, upstate new york in rhinebeck new york paul cohen is the publisher and um, it's available right now by pre-order on Amazon and bookstore and Barnes and Noble, all the dot-com booksellers uh, online. You can go right now and, uh, and pre-order it. And then it will be up on the website, which will be up in about three or four weeks, which is called radicallovingbook.com.
2: What's your personal message? What would you like to leave us with?
1: God loves you. God loves each and every one of us. God doesn't play favorites. God loves each and every one of us equally. We are all children of God. We are all children of the universe. And God is crying out to us right now. God is calling to us and saying, my children, my children, I love you. My precious children, I love you so much. Don't hurt each other. Don't fight with each other. Don't uh, hate each other elevate the human spirit. Don't crush it. Love, love, love.